a person who cheers for a sports team is called a fan. And that word fan is short for fanatic. As in a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal. That's what a fanatic is. And so a fan will certainly have a a t-shirt for their team. They'll probably have a hat for their team. Maybe a coffee mug or uh, a, a window sticker. Maybe they've put out some money to get a license plate, a, a personalized license plate for their team. They probably have uh, uh, posters or a man cave or whatever uh, for the team that they are a fan of. And then there are guys like this guy. This guy has a loyalty tattoo on his arm uh, with Derek Barnett's number nine there tattooed on his arm. The only problem is this is not Derek Barnett, okay? Uh, So this is some guy uh, who is such a fan of Derek Barnett uh, that has such loyalty uh, to him that he decided to put his name and number on his arm. Now that's a fan. It reminds me of a book that I read several years ago. You'll have to bear with me because it was about Alabama people. But uh, in this book, they were the, the, the author was spending a football season traveling around the country with the people that live in their RVs and travel around the country to all the football games, okay? So he was trying to get uh, a glimpse into the psyche of people that would do that. So the first order of business is that there are people who drive around the country in RVs watching football games for their team, okay? So there are people that do that. Then as he's interacting with this crowd and, and hearing their stories, some of the things that they told were just really unbelievable, Uh, There was this one man that told the story about how he missed part of his daughter's wedding uh, because she had planned it during the middle of the Alabama-Tennessee football game on the third Saturday in October. Uh, And so his response was that she should have known better than to plan the wedding on the third Saturday of October. Then there was another man that he met who was awaiting a heart transplant. I'm not making this story up. He was awaiting a heart transplant. And uh, so he had orders to stay within a 150-mile radius of Birmingham in case he got the call, you know, the call that he was to come in and get this transplant. This man had not missed an Alabama game in years. And so he says to him, you realize that you are literally taking your life in your hands when you leave and go outside of that radius to go watch them play football. And he responded, if I can't watch them play football, then life isn't worth living. So these are people who are fanatics in the literal sense of the word. They are sold out for their teams. Now, we put a picture of this man, I don't know who he was, that had the tattoo on his arm earlier. But what if we put your picture up here on the screen? And everybody looked at you, your face. Maybe we could do what everybody's doing right now on social media. We could turn it into a cartoon picture or something. But we'll put your picture up here on the, on the screen. Everybody will look at it. What do you think that they would say that you're sold out to? If they looked at your picture. 
The mission of our church, it's on the wall outside really big so that you'll see it every time you leave, is be disciples, make disciples. That's, that's our mission as a church, to, to, to fulfill the great commandment, to be disciples, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be growing in our walk with him, and then to make disciples, to fulfill the great commission, to go and to make disciples of all the nations. So this is, this is our mission, our goal, our everything as a church. And I wonder if you're abandoned to that mission. We're going to finish our series today called No Other Gospel through the letter to the Galatians. This is week 16 uh, of the letter to the Galatians. And here at the end of this letter, Paul is, is tying everything together that he's been saying all throughout the letter as he's been focusing on the gospel over and over and over again. And today as he comes to the end and gives these concluding remarks to these churches, he's calling them to abandon everything for this gospel. And that's the call for us as well this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. If you're able, we're in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11, the word of God says... Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard, and mercy even to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today, the question that I want you to think about as we're studying this passage of Scripture is, how would my life look different if I were completely abandoned to this gospel? How would my life look different? And so there's two things that we're going to pull out of this passage today. And the first one is this, the gospel is over everything. If we're going to be abandoned to this gospel, that means that the gospel is over everything else. This is what he says in verse 11. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Now, this is an unusual thing for Paul to say. He says, look, you kind of get a, a glimpse into how this letter was composed. And he's obviously making a strong emphasis. This is obviously important because whoever his... Amenuensis was that was the one writing the letter for him. He would he would dictate the letter and they would write it. He took over at this point. And he's writing in his own handwriting and he's writing with really big letters. And so he's saying, You better pay attention to this part. That's what this that's what this verse means. You better pay attention to this part. And so he comes to verse 12 and 13, he says, Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So he's pointing back to this group that we've mentioned all throughout this series, this group called the Judaizers who had come into the the region of Galatia, and they were telling the churches, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but you've got to do this, this, and this in addition to that in order to really be the people of God. You've got to keep the law. You need to be circumcised. You have to add all these works to your faith in order to be circumcised. And he says that they're boasting in the flesh. And in fact, he says they don't even keep the law themselves, but they want you to do all these things. They're filled with pride in, in what they do with how they try to keep the law. He says, but instead, as, as Christians, we are concerned with your heart. It's about a heart that trusts in Jesus by faith. Because salvation comes in no one else. We're not saved because of what we do. We're saved because of what Jesus did. And our complete faith is in him and in his, in his death on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. And so Paul says, if that means that we're going to face persecution because of Jesus, then so be it. Because the gospel is more important than everything else to me. He says, it's the gospel over everything. The reformer Martin Luther said that they gave our master a crown of thorns. Why do we hope for a crown of roses? He goes, this is going to be part of this call to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. That we're going to be willing to abandon everything, be willing to suffer and even face persecution because of Jesus. And that's been the testimony of Jesus' followers from the very beginning. All of the disciples faced persecution. And most of them were martyred because of their faith. In early church history, the church faced persecution from the Jews... It also faced persecution from the Roman Empire. And all down through the ages, Christians have been willing to face persecution and even death for the cause of Christ. Even today, in many parts of our world, our brothers and sisters are gathering together under threat of death because of their faith. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their homes. People are even losing their families because of Jesus. And you say, well, why would someone be willing to do that? Because it's the gospel over everything else. In verse 14, Paul says, as for me, I'll never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel. Because the world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. He says, the the world has been crucified to me. That means I have died to the world and all of its priorities. I'm not trying to win the rat race. I'm not trying to have the most trophies. I'm not trying to amass the most stuff. I'm not chasing what the world has to offer because I found something greater. I found someone greater. And I am trying to run as hard as I can after Jesus. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
Let us lay aside every, every hindrance, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Because for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, just as Jesus was willing to endure the cross and to suffer and to persevere, he's calling us to continue to run the race, to run hard after Jesus, and to put everything else aside, to keep the main thing the main thing in your life. This last week we had vacation Bible school here at the church. You can't really tell because our custodial staff did such an amazing job of cleaning uh, this weekend. Uh, but this place, if you'd have been here on Monday through Friday of this week, looked a lot different all over this campus. But during Vacation Bible School, we always collect an offering that the boys and girls collect. And they, they do this to, um, to give to one of our mission partners. And this year, we were collecting an offering to give to the Reality Church in Miami, the church plant that we're helping to start there with Pastor Carlos Lolette, and we have a competition between the boys and the girls. It's friendly most of the time, uh, and uh, the girls will bring in money, the boys will bring in money, and, and if the girls bring in more money than Pastor Jeff and myself, we'll get a pie in the face. If the boys bring in more money than, than Miss Megan, the, our preschool director, will we'll get a pie in the face, and this year was a VBS miracle. And all the years we've been, I've been doing this for probably 15 years. The boys have only ever won twice now. And this year was one of them. And it was awesome because I didn't go home on Friday smelling like Cool Whip all over my beard. <laughs> but Megan got a pie in the face because the boys brought in more money. And the, as the boys and girls this week brought in money and collected uh, this offering, they gave over $4,000 this week <laughs> to our church plant in Miami. And after the very first day, one of the moms was sharing with me that her little boy that's in preschool goes home and he tells his mom, he goes, I'm going to get all my money and I'm going to bring it tomorrow to give to this mission to start a church. And uh, she says, okay, well, you, you sure you want to do that? And he says, yes. He goes, there's nothing more that I would want to do with all my money. That's a little preschooler that said that with his heart. And so what Paul is telling us here is that he said, don't let the, the world pull you away. Don't allow sin to steer you astray. I saw a quote recently that said that the early church wanted to know, what must I do to be saved? But today's church is asking, what can I do and still be saved? He says, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because nothing is more important to me than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is essentially saying here is, I am dead to the world. And listen, dead men aren't worried about a thing. But too often when someone actually becomes serious and living out their faith, well-meaning people will say, hey, you need to settle down. You need to be reasonable. You're going to be a a fanatic. Don't get overly excited. Don't, don't get out of control. But maybe we need to be a little less reasonable and a little more radical. 
Because people don't sell everything and move overseas to reach unreached people groups because it's rational. People don't start churches from nothing because it's the reasonable thing to do. People aren't out sharing faith in difficult circumstances because it's easy. We do it because our king has commissioned us. One author said, we're settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. It is the gospel over everything. And so if we're going to be abandoned to the gospel, then the gospel is going to have priority. But we see secondly that the gospel is everything. That it's going to be all-encompassing in our lives. It's not just the most important thing, it's everything. He says in verse 15, for both circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. When you see somebody say in the Bible, what matters, then that's what matters. (laughs) Okay, so he says, what matters is a new creation. That you're born again. That you're saved, that you have this relationship with God. These Judaizers wanted to make circumcision the most important thing. That's the thing that really mattered in life to them. But Paul says, whether you're, cir- <coughs> whether you're circumcised or not circumcised, doesn't matter at all. What matters is that you're born again, that you're a new creation in Christ. So what really matters in life is that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. So don't make your life about all these things that don't really matter in eternity. I had lunch recently with a a member of our church, and he is a vegetarian. And I am not a vegetarian. Uh, I'm a meat eater. And so we we went across the street over here to Nixon's, and boy, Nixon's has humongous salads over there. I mean, they had this big salad. And so he ordered a salad. I had this big old meat sandwich. And we're sitting there eating, and everything was okay. He ate his salad. I ate my meat. And we were okay. We were friends. You know why? You know why we were able to sit and eat together even though we didn't have the same views? Because that's not really what matters. The gospel is really what matters. And he and I had fantastic conversation about Jesus. And how we can share Jesus and make a difference in this community. And I want you to know today that the most important thing in your life is a relationship with Jesus. And there may be some here this morning who say, I don't have that relationship with Jesus that you're talking about. I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know where to begin. And I want you to know that God loves you. He desires to have a relationship with you. And although you and me and everyone who's ever lived has sinned or disobeyed God, and our sin separates us from God, that we can be reconciled to God through Jesus, who came to this earth and who paid the price for your sins and for my sins when he died on the cross. Because the penalty for our sin is death. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And when he did that, he proved that he had victory over our sin, over death, over hell. And he gives to us 
life, and forgiveness if we'll trust in him as the Savior of our lives and give our hearts to follow him as our King and as our Lord. And so this morning, I want you to know that that's the most important thing in life is that you would have this relationship with God through Jesus. And there may be some this morning who need to make that decision to trust in Christ for salvation. And when the time comes in a few minutes, we're going to have a time of response. And there's going to be people here across the front. You come and say, I want to do what he's talking about. I need that relationship in my heart today. And so Paul says here in verse 16, may peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to the Israel of God. He says, let this, that what matters is a new creation. He says, let that be the standard of my life. Let my life be centered around this gospel. Let my energy be focused on this gospel. Let my mind be concentrated on this gospel. Over the last year during COVID and things were shut down, not shut down, halfway shut down. And so we had a lot of time to, to examine the things that we were doing as, as pastors and ministry leaders at the church. And I charged all of them to look at everything that you're doing, all the things that are on the calendar, all the events that you're doing, all those things that we spend money on and energy and time on. And if it's not helping us with this mission, then let's quit doing it. Let's quit wasting money on it. Let's quit wasting time on it. Let's focus on what matters. New creation. Let's focus on this mission of being disciples and making disciples. And in the same way, on a personal level, each of us has to look at my life and say, is my life about being disciples and making disciples? Is my life centered on this gospel? Is the gospel everything? Is that my life's goal? Count Zinzendorf had a quote where he said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Now that's a posture that's totally at odds with the way of the world. That you would give your life to preaching the gospel and you die and just be forgotten. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that your life is not your own, that you were bought at a price, that you belong to Jesus. And so my aim is not to build up my name and to build up my fame, it's to make the name of Jesus known to the ends of the earth. Because the gospel means everything to me. My life is, is about the gospel. One of our church's core values is on the wall out there in the atrium, is to be saved is to be sent. Which means that as a Christian, this is what your life is about. If you're saved, then you're sent out on the mission of God here in our city and even all over the world. That your identity is found in Christ. That your gifts and your talents and are given to you to honor Christ. That your life is about serving Christ and his kingdom. And there are many people who live their lives like they always have, but they just sprinkle a little bit of church on top of it. 
Or they fit in church when it's convenient. Or they say a prayer before meals and call it a day. But we're talking about more than that. We're asking, are you living your life like the gospel's everything? He says in verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now this whole letter to the Galatians is about trouble. (laughs) Trouble that Paul's been facing from this group of Judaizers and from troubles that were happening in the churches there. He says, from no one let nobody cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He says, I have been willing to suffer and to give everything for Jesus. In fact, we see a little bit of it if you flip back a few pages in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 23, Paul says, Far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. And Paul put it all on the line for this gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything about his life was for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And he left behind a place of position and of privilege. I mean, he was a... A Pharisee among Pharisees, a Jew among Jews. I mean, he was right up the ranks, and he was going to be a rock star among the Pharisees. But he left all that behind to become a tent maker, traveling all over the Mediterranean to tell other people about Jesus. He was hanging out in marketplaces and in synagogues and going to the Areopagus, And Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. What would that look like for you? It looked like you being a witness in your school. It looked like you being a witness on your sports teams. It looked like you being a witness at your business. It looked like you being a witness in your subdivision. It looked like you being a witness to your own family. It looked like developing a daily habit of prayer and Bible study. It looked like you taking a vacation to work at Vacation Bible School. It looked like you giving sacrificially of this world's treasures for the kingdom of God. It looked like you committing to church membership. It would look like you sharing your faith with others. It would look like you joining a connect group to study God's word. It would look like you joining a a D group to to have a deeper walk in in your relationship with God. It would look like you joining an E team so that you could bring the gospel to Knoxville. It would look like you going on a mission to the nations. It looked like your whole life is centered on Jesus. In Paul's day... Many slaves were branded with the insignia of their master 
on them. And what Paul is saying here is, I'm branded too. And I'm willing to suffer and give everything for my Lord Jesus. These Judaizers, they want to mark you with circumcision, but instead be marked with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May Christ be the distinguishing characteristic of your life. So that when others think of you and your life, they see Jesus. Paul ends his letter where he began. The gospel of the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you just turn a couple of pages to the introduction of the letter, he says, I'm Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. This is what he says to them in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. And How does he end the letter here in verse 18? Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The entire letter from beginning to end has been about the grace of God. It was never about our works, no matter what the Judaizers said. It's about God's amazing grace and his incredible love that he's shown us in Christ. It's about the salvation that he provides to us through Jesus' death and his resurrection. And what he's asking here at the end of the letter is, are we willing to commit ourselves and our lives to the good news that saved us? Are we willing to give everything to proclaim the grace of God to those that don't know him? How would your life look different if you were completely abandoned to the gospel? We're going to come to now to a time of response we're going to have our musicians here. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. There's going to be leaders here at the front. And Christians, this morning, you've been thinking about this question in your heart. How would my life look different if I were completely abandoned to the gospel? And perhaps during this time, the Holy Spirit's been at work in your heart. and He's been showing you areas that you need to change, commitments that you need to make, things that you need to do. It could be any number of those things that I listed out earlier in, in this sermon. But maybe you need to spend some time in prayer, either there at your seat or even here at this altar, saying, God, I want to be completely abandoned to this mission, to your gospel. There may be others this morning that God is calling to become part of this church family. This might be the first time you've ever been here. You may have been here for a long time, but you've never become part of this church family. And God's saying, this is where I want you to be. This is where I want you to serve. This is where I want you to have fellowship. This is where I want you to learn and grow. And so if that's how God is at work in your heart, this is the time to come and make a decision like that. There may be some here this morning, as we talked about just a few minutes ago, who say, I don't have that relationship that you're talking about. You've told me it's the most important thing that I could ever do in my life. I'm ready to make the decision today to follow after Jesus. Then you come and share that with one of these leaders that will be here at the front. But however God's speaking to you, now's the time to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your word. Lord, for the challenge that you have given us today to 
give our lives for you and your kingdom. To be completely abandoned to the gospel. Because it is the most important thing. So God, what would my life look like? How would it be different if I were completely abandoned to the gospel? God, I pray that you would work in our hearts during this time. Convict us, move us, shape us. And God, for any that are here that don't have this relationship in their heart, I pray that right now, Lord, they would begin to come as we begin to sing and say, I'm ready to begin this relationship with Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.